Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Join Hoda Kotb for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Irony Carson is the author of The Dead Are Gods, a memoir. Irony actually is going to be one of our authors at our upcoming retreat in the Santa Barbara wine country, which you should all check out at zibbyretreats.com. Irony is a black British writer born to a Jamaican father and Scottish mother and raised in Southeast London. She currently lives in Northern California with her family and has been published in the Sonora Review. She is a frequent contributor to Mother Magazine. The Dead Are Gods is her debut book. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Nice. It's so nice to meet you. Look nice at your beautiful you. rainbow organized yes. books. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> That's lovely. I appreciate it. I really loved your book. I read it a while ago. This is one where I was like, I know I don't have this podcast for a while, but I'm going to cut the line and read what I want. Yay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you so much. How, I, how I rebel in my own little world <laughs> against myself. Look, man, we got to, we got to take it where we can get it. I think. <laughs> Thank you. That means so much. I, I am so honored. It's 
funny to kind of put your heart out there and be like, I don't know. I hope people like it. Who oh can gosh. say? No, I loved it. The Debtor Gods was so moving and so like intimate about loss and grief in general, like what it feels like to just all of it was so raw and real. I have lost a friend and it just took me back and oh my gosh, it's, it was so good. I really loved it. Great job. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry about your friend. That no, no. I'm sorry about your friend. <laughs> Will you tell me what your friend's name was again? I know I know it. Oh, no, that's okay. Um, and this was a long time ago, but um, her name was Stacy, and it was on 9-11. So. Um, but it's the same, like, you know, one day you wake up and then how could they just not be there? And I was 25, and mm. I feel like friendship at that age is so critical. This is your podcast. I'm talking too much. <laughs> Tell no, us more about I your book. <laughs> okay, I will absolutely tell you more about my book, but I do think it's kind of, I don't know, there's like a collective conversation to be had about grief and who gets to talk about it and how much space we can take up with it. And so I want to hear about Stacey. I think that's like, that's part <laughs> of the whole thing. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that she's not here. Yeah, my book is also about a friend who passed away. Her name was Larissa. We met when we were like, I was 14, I think. I really have to go over my notes and make sure I'm getting that right. Because it's one of those friendships where we were just like so enmeshed that like it felt like we were always together. But we kind of had one of those formative friendships that really shapes you. And she died suddenly almost five years ago now. And this book is about the loss of her. It's about our collective memories. My friend and writer, Beth McCall, described it as a love letter in a time capsule. And I really think... That's just the best way to describe it. That's how it feels to me. Yeah. And about kind of what we do with that love when Mm -hmm. the other person is dead. It's true. There's no, uh, there's no manual for any of this, despite any attempts. No. (laughs) (laughs) You had a really beautiful passage. Well, many beautiful passages, but do you mind if I read like a paragraph or something? Oh, yes, please. This is chapter 12. I feel like a mess some days. I feel like a mess some days, most days. I feel as if I should be doing better. No one talks about her. No one asks how I'm doing. The flush of flowers and condolence texts made me think that perhaps grieving was permitted, that my mood was warranted. Suddenly those dried up, and now I assume that I should be over it, that I should be laced up and fine in public. No one asks about her. Should I be fine? I don't feel fine. Should I be over it? I don't feel over it. I want to be. I want to not feel the sting of tears in my eyes. I want to not excuse myself to go to the bathroom and do some deep breathing exercises to keep from smiling. I want to have something in common with these people at work, these friends I meet for drinks. I want to be able to be genuine and feel love and joy and smile and forget, but I can't. Mm. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it like, makes me want to cry. Oh, oh it's beautiful. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> there is also, it's like there's this division all of a sudden, which I feel like you write about so well, this whole, like, this is what I'm going through and this is seemingly what everyone else is going through. And, and there seems to be such a gap. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I think there's just this reluctance and I've definitely done it too, to kind of step into someone else's grief like you don't really want to see them cry you don't know what you'd say if they did cry and they seem fine why why ask about that thing and upset them when really no one's fine (laughs) just kind of (laughs) masquerading like we know that we have to go to work today we know that we have to take the kids to school today and those things must be done irregardless of how our heart feels so 
I don't know, I, I envision a world where <laughs> where these conversations are more candid and where you feel like you can talk about Stacey and, and have it take up space in the room with me, alongside no. me. No. <laughs> um, well, Larissa, well, first of all, I love how you included all of your conversations because it lets us get to know her and you and your friendship like as a third party, even though it's a memoir. So I thought that was really great how you ended all your chapters with those sort of intimate, funny, you know, sometimes totally banal, just like everyday conversations um, <laughs> so that we get a glimpse into those. But tell me more about Larissa. And I know I know her from the book, but what do I not know? Like, how would you talk about her? How could they feel like they know a little piece of her after a quick, you know, description? Well, she was incredibly cool. She looked cool. She was incredibly beautiful. She was like this dark-skinned black woman with like very cat-like eyes. She dressed mostly in this kind of punky rock and roll way, but she also had the ability to kind of throw on something custom and make it look amazing. And she was a super cool person. So you'd see her across the room and think there's no way that person is interested in like what I have to say, but she could turn the light on you and make you feel just as special as she appeared to be. I think that was her greatest talent with me. And there was an intimacy to loving her that was just, oh, it was like holding a hand all the time. It was so safe and loving and Probably like my, one of my biggest loves, I think. My, one, definitely my biggest non-romantic love. Wow. So take me through how and when you decided to write this book. Like it's one thing to go through the grief and mourning and all of it, but it's quite another to put it on paper. And then it's another thing even more to like get it in great shape and publish it and then go through editing rounds. I mean, it's like a whole thing. So why go down the path? And how did you decide? And then what what did it end up being like for you? Oh, well, I started just, I knew I wanted to read something at Larissa's funeral. And so I began to write a eulogy and I just didn't really stop. Like I just couldn't, there was no end to it. I was like, I want to, I have this other thought that I want to write about. And so after the funeral, I kept writing and I would write these like long, long essays and send them to my friend Steph. And she eventually stopped me and was like, you have enough for a book. Do you know that? And I was like, oh, never thought about it as a kind of a public facing thing. At the time, it was just catharsis and just getting through my grief. And then that kind of began to take shape. And we talked about including kind of these personal emails that would, I had hoped, show Larissa as a 3D person. Because it's one thing to have me talk about her and describe her to you, the reader. And it's another thing for you to like see proof of her. I had all of these voice notes. We would WhatsApp each other a lot because we lived in two different countries. She lived in Paris and I was here in California. And we had all these voice notes. And at her funeral, I played a voice note of her laugh, which was like the most jarring sound, <laughs> but like fabulous. And I remember thinking, I wonder how I could get something like that into the book. And it's paper. So I did emails instead, but I'm keeping those voice notes. Just in you, should, case. you could get them transcribed, you know. Yeah, that's that. true. I could. Oh, that's I'm like, let me idea. help you like download and send them to a transcriber. Oh, know. that would be amazing. I also had, I have a fantasy of reading the audio book and including those, but we'll see. We'll yes. See. I'm sowing the seeds. You should <laughs> Harassing do that. my publisher. No, probably. you should definitely do that. Like between all the chapters and 
you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I envision. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, definitely get that done. I feel like that's one of the first <laughs> things in loss is like, I immediately take stock of, okay, what do I have? Like, let me get it. Yeah. And I like frantic. It's usually in the middle of the night and I'm like going through all these papers and somehow <laughs> emails to me are not, I don't know. It's it's not as rewarding as like the handwritten note somebody put under my door or something, you know? That's very true. I do think though, like uh, most of the emails that I include in the book are from like the early 2000s. And there yeah. was like a specific way we had of like even uh, the abbreviations that we used are different to what we use now. And so there <laughs> is this kind of time capsule moment in those emails that I don't know. But like you said, I think you're just like searching for meaning and something that you tangible that you can look at. So that for me, the emails were the were the thing that I was like, let me read every single boring correspondence yeah. we ever no, had. <laughs> no, I don't mean to say I don't read them. I, you know, I always like, yes, of course, those are amazing to have. But I'm just like, where even are they? And you go switch email servers and like, I don't know. <laughs> Never yeah. Mind. But I'm yeah, just like, I, did I even print them out? And now where are they? Like, I would like to read them now. In the stratosphere somewhere. Stratosphere just somewhere. Above your yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, did you find it difficult to write the book? Yes. I think what was my saving grace was that I didn't know it was going to be a book for a, mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. So for a long time, it was just mine. It was just, and that's, uh, you know, something that I'm kind of adjusting to now that it's in bookstores, but it was something that was precious and mine and it was my process. And it was the thing that anchored me to this world when I felt like my grief threatened to just like spiral me off. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of felt like that was my gravity And so it was hard, but it was mine and hard. I wasn't like, will this grief translate to other people? And I, Mm -hmm, and I think mm -hmm. that's what sounds like resonates with people is that it's raw and it's raw because I wasn't thinking about an audience at the time. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until the editing process that I was like, oh shit, (laughs) my mom's going to read this. (laughs) But yeah, it, it was hard. It was hard. It's hard now. I mean, I read it at a couple of launch events and I've read passages and every time at the readings I'm like hey guys I just want you to know I probably will cry and we should all get more comfortable with tears but if that happens let's all just try and try and sit in that feeling for a minute (laughs) wow well how could it not be emotional to sort of delve back in all the time you know I have a great therapist so (laughs) oh good okay (laughs) I mean, after reading your book, you're like, oh, she must. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm I'm big into therapy. Yeah. Gotta have one of them. <laughs> Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishful podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the Cat in the Hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic Tongue Twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. What are you doing in California now? Are you there? Is that where you live now? I live here, yeah. My husband's American, Californian. And so I moved here when we got married, like very, very traditional, accidentally. And yeah, I'm raising two British American children here and writing this second book that is a fiction to kind of oh. step away from the nonfiction world for a little bit. <laughs> Wait, tell me about the novel. Oh, okay. Well, I have to specify that it's fiction because when I told my husband what it was about, he was like, Are you sure we don't have anything <laughs> to talk about? It's about oh, no. it's about a postpartum woman who decides to kill her husband. Um, it's kind of- <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh my husband would freak yeah out he too. was like you <laughs> just wrote a memoir are you sure that this isn't also part two and I was like no <laughs> he's still very much alive and well so yeah it was just like fun to not write about this kind of personal stuff and take a little a creative license with with my work and it was yeah it's a fun thing I have a two-year-old, so I started it when I was deeply postpartum. And maybe some of those feelings were a little closer to the surface. But yeah, that's the plan for the future. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. So what is your what is your process like? Like when you're writing? Where do you like to write? And I know that it was not intended to be this one, The Dead Are Gods is not intended to be a published book at first. But when you are pouring your heart out or when you're writing knowing it's going to be published do you handle those differently or where do you like to to do all of it and I am like a big fan of my notes app (laughs) it's like the Mm -hmm. most convenient thing for me when I'm like I've just done a drop-off but I have this thought let me jot it down or I just got the kid to sleep but I'm sitting on the end of her bed waiting (laughs) to make sure that I can leave Mm -hmm. the room and I jot something down and then I, I move it to 
to Microsoft Word and play with it. But I found that I write endings first, which is <laughs> interesting. Like the last chapter of The Dead Are Gods was written very early on. Just like the last couple paragraphs was something I was like mulling over. And so, and then I came back to it and I was like, oh, it's the end. And I did the same with this new book that I'm working on where I wrote the last scene. I don't, I, I think I'm someone who likes to have a destination. <laughs> so now I know where the path is going. I just have to get there. And are you doing more? I know you've said a couple of times sort of wanting to normalize talking about grief. Like, do you feel like that's sort of an embedded mission in, in what you're doing? And are you taking that message elsewhere like are you you know what I mean yeah what are we doing with that <laughs> I hope so I would love to I did a, a teaching course on writing about grief last summer that was just I, I taught it and it was really exciting and fun I want to do more of that I feel like that's like my missionary work and then just at my readings I talk a lot about what I envision kind of living in a society where grief is kind of enmeshed in everyday life and uh your dead people are uh, still alongside you because it's not scary to talk about them or think about them or feel sad about them. Um, what my first question I ask anyone, I get a lot of people coming up to me and saying, your book meant so much because I lost this person. My first question is always, what is their name? Because I feel like there is so much loneliness in grief. And most of that is because no one ever asks because it's scary and might upset you but that makes you feel isolated and having someone say the name of your dead person can feel pretty powerful. You know, it's like one more person knows mm -hmm. about them. One more person will keep them alive. Mm -hmm. It's true. Yeah. It's one of those things. It's like, it's not going to upset you to talk about it. You're already upset. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like they're telling you your friend has died. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm no, already you there. know it. it was, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Same thing with, uh, I think some people feel bad, like sharing a memory or should I tell you the story? Or I'm like, yes, you know, yeah. tell me the story of, you know, yeah. like, oh, you, like even some man on it's, it's like Facebook was like, do you know that I knew your grandmother when she was younger? I was like, no way. Tell me every little bit. Yeah, you know, it's not like absolutely. that's going to make me sad. So, I mean, it makes me happy to get to know, like you think that getting to know someone ends when they're gone, but then every little dribble of information that comes out of somebody else, you're like, oh my gosh. And that allows me to know them more. So. Absolutely. I almost feel like there's there can be a deeper examination of someone after they're dead because there's no, I don't know, whatever barriers they put up to stop you from knowing certain things, you kind of, you kind of get to peek over the wall a little bit. Mm -hmm. I also feel like there's a lot of overlap in grief and postpartum, which is probably why the manuscript I'm working on now came out. But there is that, it's a similar kind of thing, like everything's fine and I'm fine, except I'm not fine. And I would love to tell you I'm not fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine, but no, I'm not. Yeah. The sequel. Yeah, exactly. The sequel to <laughs> The Dead Exactly. Oh, I got the title. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Are there books that you turn to or authors that you were comforted by or that you read during grief or or before? Oh no. I was like <laughs> sneeze, a sneeze, sneeze yawn. like headed off at the past by a yawn. Nice, but nice. anyway, sorry about that. No, no worries. Um, <laughs> sneeze will be I, close on its heels. I'm always yawning. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. I'm very tired. 
books that I read. Uh, the Year of Magical Thinking was the thing that everyone was like, "Oh yeah, read this thing, read this book." And I read it, and I did. I did love it. I know people. It's, I feel like it's kind of polarizing. Some people post grief or during grief are like hated it, hated it. Whereas I kind of loved that very candid description of the just how mad you can be in grief, just how crazy, how how unhinged your thought process becomes, and it feels completely normal and fine. Um, I loved that. And also uh, the songwriter, singer, Nick Cave, has a really beautiful series of kind of reader letters that he feels called The Red Hand Files. Um, He lost two of his sons um, and just talks about grief and death in such a beautiful, candid way um, and really validates that uh, a lot of that madness um so I really loved those those were definitely touchstones for me amazing okay so when you're not soulfully helping people through the worst days of their (laughs) life in some way shape or form and you're not being a mom and dealing with all of that that all that that comes with Mm -hmm. is there anything else that you get time to do or that you like to do do you go on walks do you what do you do you like grocery shopping like I don't know give me a sense of your life and what you do when you're not well I do love walking I have a a dog who's getting quite old but he still will keep pace with me so we do that um I work at a writer's residency part-time, kind of supporting, it's called the Mesa Refuge. It supports like social justice and climate justice writers specifically. Um, So that takes up a lot of my time. And then just like baby shit, like two-year-old shit. Like (laughs) what am I doing with the, we go to swim class, we go to the library, Mm -hmm. we, um, lots of stuff like that. I feel like outside of the writing my life is pretty pedestrian. The coolest thing about me is that my husband's in a rock band. And so sometimes if I'm lucky and can find childcare, I will go on tour with him for a stop or two. That is really cool. Yeah, that's the sexiest part of my life. <laughs> what Can I even ask what rock band should I know this? I'm sorry. No, you what should band know. Is your husband They're in? called AFI. He is a drummer. Backbone of the band, some might say. He might say. <laughs> he might say. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's pretty dreamy. He's pretty cool. That's awesome. <laughs> well, we do have a set of electronic drums, nice. which I thought was genius because uh, first my older son wanted to play the drums. So we got that and required headphones, you know, like you cannot hear them. Yeah, that's just so great. That's what yeah. you need, really. My father-in-law also used to play drums in the 60s in San Francisco. And um, for my daughter's like second birthday, my oldest, he got her a drum kit and I was just like, thank you so much. Um, no, it was lovely and she loves them, but they are right above the kitchen. And so when I'm making dinner, sometimes that's the soundtrack. Nice. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. This was so great. Yeah. I told you it would be easy. Yeah, it was easy. This was yeah. a breeze. You made it really delightful. And I need oh, to you. somehow teleport into the room that you're in because that looks like a lovely place to sit. If you're in New York, come by. Okay, great. Great, great, great. I'll be there. I'll be there in six hours. It'll be here. Hold tight. Yeah. Great. See you soon. <laughs> All right. Um, are you in the LA area, by the way? Are you? Or I don't know. I'm just north of San Francisco oh. in like Sonoma County. Oh, that's so nice. We're actually. Yeah, oh, wait. Cool. I have a great idea. We're doing. What? Well, no, never mind. Well, even still, we're doing a retreat <laughs> for Zivi Media with 
like 50 to 75 women and a couple authors in September 22nd to 24th in the wine country of Santa Barbara. Oh my gosh. Do you want to be a featured speaker or something? Yes, please. Yes. Oh my gosh, Sibby, please don't tease me. I would love that. I'm not teasing you. I think it would be really awesome. Okay. 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 It's at a, we're going to do it at a resort in Solvang called the Landsby. And Ooh. we have another woman coming who wrote a book that we're publishing called Wine People and another one called yes. End Credits about a woman who, sort of all different topics here, but but this is great because we can do a whole thing on grief. We can do a whole fun wine tasting. Wine and grief. One is about career. So I love it. We could do wine. Yeah. Wine and grief and careers. Like what else do you need? What else? You're set. You're set. set. Yeah. A, a nap. A napping. Maybe I'll get one more napping. author. Okay. You're in? You sure? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. I'm okay. in. That okay. Amazing. Rad. That's awesome. Awesome. Okay. So uh, hopefully I have your email or I'll get it from your publicist and yeah. put you in touch with all right, okay. great. <laughs> All right, amazing. All right, thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 15178 Jeep is a registered trademark.